Good evening, Richmond Hill. Please pray with me. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. My title for my sermon this evening as a continuation of our Staying Faithful preaching series is called Staying Focused, Staying Faithful. I will be the first to tell you that focus is not my forte. My brain, quite frustratingly at times, seems to work less in a linear pattern with one thought leading logically to the next and more like a paint-splattered canvas, with each, which each, each thought splatter brighter and more chaotic than the one before, and sometimes totally unrelated to anything else on the canvas. Focus has been a lifelong struggle for me. I trust that there are at least some of you who know this struggle intimately. I trust there are others of you who love people and are perhaps frustrated by people who know this struggle intimately. But as I was listening to Lisa's sermon last week as part of this preaching series, and as I was thinking about her call for us to finish the race, to refuse to turn back, to keep our eye on the prize, and as I was reading our gospel text this evening about an attempt to distract Jesus with a trick question about paying taxes to the emperor, the idea of focus kept coming up in my spirit if we are to finish the race, if we are to keep our eyes on the prize, if we are to stay faithful in these times of distraction, focus seems like a key part of our call. And perhaps it is because it is something I profoundly struggle with that leads me to explore the idea of focus with you all this evening. So let us focus first on our text we find Jesus, as depicted in the book of Matthew, being tested by both the Pharisees and the Herodians. The Pharisees, who are the religious leaders, and the Herodians, to whom we assume to be the political leaders as followers of Herod, both want to put Jesus to the test. By answering their question, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor? Jesus risks being seen by religious leaders as a Roman sympathizer, and being seen by Roman leaders as a seditionist. It's a trap. It is a distraction, the kind of gotcha question with no right answer, the kind of question designed to humiliate and endanger rather than clarify. Jesus takes this question with no right answer and opens it up, finding a way out of no way. Examining the face of the emperor engraved on a silver coin, he asks, whose head is this and whose title? Satisfied with the response, he answers, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. It is important to note as we think about this scripture is just how essential the deification of the Roman emperor was to the project of the Roman Empire. Through art and sculpture, through myth-making and storytelling and symbols, through honorific titles, and yes, through coins. The emperors of Rome worked hard and intentionally and strategically to be seen as gods and children of gods. 
The coins would have indeed shown the head of the emperor. In Jesus' time, this was Emperor Tiberius. And in addition to his title, and it was often something like Divi Filius, Son of God. This alighting, this merging of civic and religious power magnified the ability of the Roman Empire to control its citizens. For to go against the emperor was to go against God. In this context, Jesus' distinction between that which we give to God and that which we give to the emperor takes on a different, more rebellious tone. He is refusing to grant divinity to the emperor, and in doing so, refuses to be controlled by the empire, to surrender himself to the empire, to surrender God to the empire. This text indeed illustrates Jesus' refusal to merge the civic and religious power as a tool of citizen control. And as we in America in the 21st century teeter on the brink of autocracy mired in injustice, I could preach a whole sermon about the dangers of a nationalistic religion, a religion in which our faith is used and weaponized by the powers that be to bring more power not to God, but to those who see themselves as gods. But because I trust that you all are well aware of these dangers, and because I want to stay focused, I want, to focus, I want to focus instead not on what this text warns us against, but I want to find the wisdom that Jesus offers in this te- text to resist those dangers. And I want to return our focus to the task that we set out to explore together. Where does focus, where does attention come into all of this? Just like the silver denarius that Jesus held in his hand in the first century, I would argue that our focus in the 21st century is currency. Stay with me. Just as the Roman Empire taxed its citizens in ways aggressive and exploitative, so too does capitalism in the age of the internet tax our attention. There are corporations and people making billions of dollars off our attention, intentionally working to keep us glued to our devices. And that exploitation is leaving us outraged, anxious, exhausted, depleted, and distracted. If our focus and attention is currency, when we allow our attention to be hijacked, we are paying a tax we had no intention of paying. Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. In these words of Jesus, he offers wisdom that I'd like us to hear. Wisdom that I've tried to articulate in three points. First, this text reminds us that we have agency. Note here that Jesus says, give, not allow someone to take. Attention is something for us to give intentionally, not to be taken from us. Jesus grants us agency here, reminding us that we have a choice in what we give to the empire and what we give to God. When we are anxious and uncertain, we, or dare I say, I, we inhale other people's opinions as if they give us more control of our desired outcome. But this is false agency. Consuming information is not control. It is not even civic engagement. 
An informed citizenry is indeed essential for a functioning democratic society. And I have many journalist friends here in Richmond who work at the local level, whose work at the local level is the lifeblood of our city. But there are actually studies that show that the more national political information and opinions we consume, the less likely we are to actually engage in, the, in our local civic process, organizing for justice, getting involved in our local community, working to help others engage in our democracy. When we realize the agency we have in our attention, agency that is essential to claim in a system that does everything it can to take it from us, we can then choose to direct it, direct it towards that which allows us to better work towards the kingdom of God here in our city, not distract us from the work of doing it. So first, we have agency. Second, with this agency, we must give ourselves space to imagine the world as it could be. The choice that Jesus grants us is a choice between the kingdom of empire and the kingdom of God. We, of course, must pay attention to both. We must bear witness to what is happening around us. But as a pastor reminded me last week, we cannot simply bear witness. We also must work towards transformation. A sole focus on the effects of empire, on bearing witness to what is, on the injustice, the oppression, the outrage, of which there is plenty. This can sometimes come at the cost of giving ourselves space to imagine what could be. We need space to imagine a world otherwise. Space that we can't find when we are consumed, tethered to our devices, paying attention only to what is. Lastly, as always, Jesus reminds us that God is here with us. God to whom all hearts are open, to whom all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, this is the God to whom Jesus invites us to turn our attention. God is here, as real, more real than empire. Yes, this world is hard. Yes, empire is powerful. Yes, we are living in a time of pandemic and systematic racism and a kind of unchecked capitalism that keeps, keeps us distracted and fettered to our devices. And yes, we are marching towards the most important election of our lifetime. God is here, in it, with us, with us. And Jesus reminds us to pay attention to God. As Jesus refuses to surrender God to empire, so too must we. To close, I want to leave you with a manifesto written by one of my favorite writers, Courtney Martin, and of which an illustrated copy illustrated by Wendy McNaughton sits on my desk. It reads like this. This is your assignment. Feel all the things. Feel the hard things, the inexplicable things, the things that make you disavow humanity's capacity for redemption. Feel all the maddening paradoxes. Feel overwhelmed. Feel crazy. Feel uncertain. Feel angry. Feel afraid. Feel powerless. Feel frozen. And then focus. Pick up your pen. Pick up your paintbrush. Pick up your damn chin. Put your two calloused hands on the turntables, in the clay, on the strings. Get behind that camera. Look for that pinprick of light. 
Look for the truth. Yes, it is a thing. It still exists. Focus on that light. Enlarge it. Reveal the fierce urgency of now. Reveal how shattered we are, how capable of being repaired. But don't lament the break. Nothing new would be built if things were never broken. A wise man once said, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Get after that light. Focus. Amen.